Good morning. My name is J.D. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, we will be in Acts, the book of Acts this week. Uh, we're kind of in transition between, uh, between books of the Bible. Uh, right now we're going from Philippians and then we're moving into uh, the book of John will be our, our next book that we dive into. So if, you would, uh, if you're a member here or have been visiting here uh, for, for a little while, uh, my recommendation is to go ahead and start reading that book ahead of time. Go ahead and prepare your hearts as we get ready to, uh, to preach the, the book of John, uh, as we begin to uh, talk about the book of John, discuss the book of John, and uh, in, some of our, in some of our spheres, spheres of influence. And so just a, just a recommendation that you would do that. But for the next two weeks, we'll start the book of John in the first uh, Sunday uh, in October. But until then, we will uh, have two standalone sermons. Uh, usually we preach expositorily, uh, expositionally through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, from beginning to end. Uh, and this, uh, this is true for most of the year, but every now and then we'll take a, a couple of weeks to preach on a couple of different things as we transition between books. Uh, so we'll be in Acts chapter 2 today. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, it'll be a little bit before I get there. Um, as, I, as I think about uh, the idea of transformation, as we think about transformation. Also, if you don't have a Bible of your own, there's a provided Bible up underneath your seats. Uh, if you don't have a Bible that's yours, feel free to take that with you. It's a gift uh, from us uh, to you. And uh, you can look in the table of contents Do not feel uh, guilty about doing that, and you can find uh, where the book of Acts is. So think about what transformation looked like. What does transformation look like in your life? Specifically, gospel transformation. How, is, how has God transformed your life through the gospel? Have you ever tried to identify markers where God has or is now transforming you in some way? Have you thought about that? Have you identified? Have you looked for markers to see where is God transforming me? Because if we believe Romans 12 too, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, where does that renewal come from? It comes from God's Word and His Gospel in our lives. But maybe you're here and you, you're, you're, you're not a Christian this morning. But a Christian friend brought you this morning and you're, you're seeking some sort of transformation in your own life. You're wondering, what, what is life all about? I don't know what this life is supposed to entail. It's really confusing. i got the world telling me one thing. i got the church telling me another. And I'm just trying to figure things out. I just pray that God would help you to be transformed this morning. That He would help you to see what transformation look like, looks like. And so I spent some time this week just in retrospect, seeking to identify spiritual transformational markers in my own life. I think it's a good practice. I think it's a good practice to see how has God been moving me from, from, from one point in my life to, to where I am today. And I identified three that just really stood out, and I just want to share them with you as we think about transformation specifically through the gospel. So I grew up in a, a little rural town, going to a little rural white steeple church. 
But I'm really thankful that in that church there was faithful gospel preaching. And in April of 1985, I give away my age, I realize I'm, a, I'm an older man in this church compared to many of you. McKenna, why are you laughing so much? I heard you snicker. Um, April 1985, the gospel was preached. I just remember, I remember the, the sermon, I remember the setting. I just remember, I was sitting on the second row and I was just like, Man, like, how do I respond to this? What do I do with this? This, this sermon is, is speaking. I've heard many sermons before. But yet this time was different. And so I repented that day of my sins, and I believed the gospel for the first time. And that set me on a trajectory to, to be transformed by the preaching of the Word. Always the preaching of the Word that transformed me. The preaching of of the gospel through the preaching of the word transformed my life in April of 1985. Fast forward about 10 years. I'm working for UPS, United Parcel Service. And Jennifer and I were going to this local, little uh, church in Greenville, North Carolina, where we had gone to college. And one of the church that we visited with was, was, I met a guy there that I had never met before. Obviously, I'm being, we're fairly new to the church. But man, we just really hit it off. We just, it's one of those things where you just kind of have an instant friendship with someone, one that kind of just goes past the, the immediate, like, hey, how are you doing? But like a real connection. And so I'm delivering for UPS in a little town called Farmville, North Carolina. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you've driven through it, maybe you've never heard of it. I can promise you, it's a small town. And so I go into this paint store, and there he is. The guy that I had met just Sunday before. And we just kept conversation going. And we just talked, and we just began to, to, to connect over the things of the gospel. And a little bit over time, you know what he said? he said? He said, hey man, why don't you take your lunch breaks? And why don't you, why don't you come here on your lunch breaks that you get? And I know you can't always take a lunch break because I know things are busy. But every time you get an opportunity to take a lunch break, why don't you grab us lunch and come here because he couldn't leave? Why don't you grab us lunch and we'll sit down and we'll walk through the Bible together? And it was the first time over, over 10 years that someone had actually sat me and said to me, Let, let's walk through the Bible together. Even in the midst of the church that I grew up in, that, that wasn't the thing that happened next. It was like, make sure you go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday morning. We'll open our Bibles there. But nobody had intentionally sat down with me one-on-one -on -one and walked through the Bible with me. And he was willing to do that. And I remember just being transformed in those months and in those next few weeks and months that came, that we were able to meet together. As we opened the Word together, and I was transformed by the Gospel through discipleship. So not only through the preached Word, but somebody just sitting down with me and going, hey, did you know the Bible said this? And I went, man, I grew up in church, but I'd never heard that. So somebody just walking through with me through discipleship of the Gospel. Fast forward about... 
10 more years. And I'm part of a church plant that's going out. I just remember sitting in this church plant, this small little church in Northern Virginia. I just remember like God really just working, rooting in my heart that something was changing inside of me. That God was transforming something in me that, that, that was different. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know why I, I kept it to myself. I didn't even tell Jennifer, my wife. I just kept it to myself, but I was feeling this pull towards some sort of gospel ministry, and I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't, know what to, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to process it because it was, it was new to me. Because in the middle of this church plant, what they talked about all the time was mission, the sending, the going. And I'd always been fed and fed and fed, and I didn't understand, and I was processing all this information. I didn't know what was next. But in the midst of this, as I'm, as I'm processing this, like, what does it look like to be called into ministry? I'm not called into ministry. I'm professional. Like, I have a professional job. I have a professional living. I have three young kids at home that, that need me to be working in a secure, full-time uh, business job. And we were on our way to a, uh, to a, to a birthday party, of all things, right? And we were going with some other friends that were, we were planting the church with. And I don't know why I'm crying right now. I should be crying, but here it is. Um, just real transformation. Just real something really happening. And they, as we're following them, they pull off to the side of the road. And he gets out, and he comes and, gets and tells Jennifer, my wife, to go ride with his wife. And he sits down in the car with me, and he says, hey, like the Lord's really clear with me on this one. I think you should go into ministry. I can see God using you to plant the church. I didn't know what to do with that. Because God, I told nobody. Nobody knew. Nobody had a clue. But yet, here I was, like, in a professional job. Not trained to go into ministry. Not equipped through seminary or any of those things. And yet God was transforming me into something new. He was conforming me less into the world over these last 30 years of that time, or 20 years, to a new creation. So the gospel transformed me. It's continuing to transform me into this likeness and image of Christ. And so as we read from Acts this morning, I believe it lays out a foundation for us of how we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How you can be transformed through the gospel. This continual transformation. So let's read it together. Acts 2, starting in verse 37, working towards 47. Now, when they heard this, this is the gospel, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were, to, were, were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as you walk through your word, I pray that you would help us to see that transformation truly comes from the gospel. That transformation comes from your word. So Lord, I pray that you would help transform us even through the preaching of your word and through the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my sermon is this, Transformed by the Gospel. Transformed by the Gospel. I have four points that I will make. But my goal is to, is, to, is to do this. My goal is to convince us that the gospel transforms us into a new creation and calls us, causes, and calls us, C-A-L-L-S, calls us to devote ourselves to godliness. The gospel transforms us into a new creation and calls us to devote ourselves to godliness. The gospel transforms us into a new creation and calls us to devote ourselves to godliness. Our first point is this. Transformation comes through the Word. Transformation comes through the Word. There's a story I like to read, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it is a pretty intense read. But I was reading it recently, and I, I read of a, of a guy who was, uh, his name is Saeed, and he's a, he's a radical Islam, a radical Muslim, who sought nothing more than to go and destroy where Christians were gathered. And so he would chase after and persecute and find, and that was his job. And he was a, he was a priest who, he was a lineage of a line of priests all the way back to his great-grandfather. And so he took this very proudly, and he knew that this was what he was meant to do, was to, to, to make sure that he uh, did not desecrate the Quran and his family lineage. And so one day he was running a group of Christians who were having a Bible study out of their homes. And one of them dropped the Bible. 
and another guy was going, was going to pick it up, and he says, no, don't, don't touch that, I'll, I'll get it. And for whatever reason, he grabs it and he puts it in his coat pocket instead of going and destroying it. And so when he gets back to his home that night and he remembers that he had it in his coat pocket, he takes it out. He says, you know, I'm just going to take and I'm going to read this. Because what it will do is help me to defend what is truth. And you can imagine what happened. He started to read and started to see all the ways that it was error, except he couldn't convince himself that any of it was error. He started to begin to see truth after truth after truth. And through the word of, and through the reading of the word, he was converted to Christianity. And through the reading of his word of the word, he suffered persecution because he went to his family and he said, "Hey, you need to believe this." And I don't know if you've been to countries where, uh, where, where that where the radical Islam exists, but it usually doesn't end well for for guys like Zahid. And that's true for him. He was tortured, he was asked to denounce his faith and eventually killed for what he now believed. He was transformed through the Word. And as we pick up here in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit has come. The beginning of Acts chapter 2, we'll see from the book of John that the Helper will come when Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit will come. The promise of the Holy Spirit will come. And we see this in Acts, beginning of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes in a phenomenal way. So much so that people thought that they had been drinking, they were actually drunk from wine. So Peter, one of the leaders, he stands up and he says, hey, we're not drunk with wine. Let me tell you what's really happening. And he shares the gospel from the book of Joel. And he shares the gospel from the book of Psalms that we read this morning in Psalm 16. And he begins to implore them and tell them, you need to believe this gospel. It's a transforming word. I am pleading with you. I am warning you that the gospel is everything. That Jesus is everything and that you your sin killed him destroyed him but yet but yet God brought him to life and in the same way he will bring us to new life in Christ if you believe in him and he goes on to tell them about David who they would have known very well about that David is in his grave. He is not resurrected, but Jesus did resurrect. He did come to new life. And that as, as he's preaching these word, they, words that they're familiar with, something happened. Verse 37 tells us now, when they heard the gospel, when they heard the word preached, they were cut to the heart. He said to Peter and the rest of the apostles there, hey, what must we do? Have you done this? Have you asked this question in response to the gospel? What must I do? I need the gospel. I need transformation. I need to change. Peter said to them, 
Repent. Believe. Be baptized. Repentance comes and brings the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift that we received. This gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive it also. This is a promise from the Word of God. This is a promise that is for you. It is for me that God will transform us into a new creation. It is for your, you and your children. For those who are near but also to those who are far off, those people that you feel like you could never reach or those who would never be impacted by the gospel. No, for them too. Because transformation comes through the Word. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself, His promise is that He will save. We see in verse 40, with many other words, Peter and the apostles bore witness. They pleaded, they, they exhorted, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Save yourselves from sure death and destruction. And how did they respond? They received His word. In obedience to His Word, they were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God did a miracle work in the beginning of this. But all that transformation happened for those 3,000 souls because of the Word faithfully being preached to a stiff-necked, hardened people that God called to Himself in that moment. And they repented and believed the gospel. And my, my exhortation to you, my pleading with you is if you have not done this, that today is a day for salvation. That you can have that today, that, you can, that, you, that God is calling you to Himself. That I would tell you to save yourselves from this crooked generation. That, that, that is no different from man's, uh, man's fallen nature is no different then than it is today. We are still a crooked people. No more crooked, no less. I pray that you would receive His Word today. That it would transform you. That it would change you forever. That you would no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you focus on the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we see that transformation comes through the Word. Well, as transformation comes through the Word, what does it transform us into? There's three things that I want us to look at next. As transformation comes through the Word, and as we're saved by His grace, and as the Lord calls us to, 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 to repent of our sins, that we're called to do three things. That we're transformed into common Unity, that is two words, not community. That we are transformed into a common unity. That we are transformed to compelling generosity. And that we're transformed through intentional intimacy. 
were transformed into common unity. Look at verse 42. As a response to this, what happens after the Lord transforms me? What should, I, what should we do then? Well, we get the example here in 42. They devoted themselves. It means they gave of themselves everything of themselves. To the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So there was this common unity. What was the common unity? That we would devote ourselves to the teaching of our leaders. That we would spend time fellowshipping together and hanging out together and worshipping together. That we would break bread together, both in the Lord's Supper, but also breaking bread in our homes. And that we would also spend time praying together. So if you want to know what it means to be commonly unified around something that is right and good, this is it. This is how the Gospel is fleshed out for each of us. That we would hear the preaching and listen to the preaching of the Word and and the teaching and and the times that we have for that. But we would also gather together and fellowship together. That we would spend time breaking bread together as we discuss the things of the Lord and what's going on in our lives. That we would spend time praying together. That we would see God do miracles in our stead. That God would do works that were many signs and wonders that the that, that, would be, that would amaze us and transform us as we, as we surround ourselves with other believers who have this common unity of faith, this common unity of the gospel. It doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything, that even the, all the things that they had in common here would be things that were surrounding the gospel. I'm sure they disagreed on a few things, personally. But yet the gospel was the thing that centered around everything in their lives. But they agreed on the gospel and its implications for us. Do we do that? Are we we unified around the right things? Are we unified around the goodness of the gospel? Or do we find ourselves wanting and desiring our own preferences? Wanting and desiring the things that I want, that I need, that I'm looking for? Because as we know, if you read the rest of the scriptures or rest of the epistles, we know that there are things that that begin to infiltrate the church that become way more than the gospel. We just finished the book of Philippians. And we know that the church was heading towards disunity. Why? Because two women who were, who were leaders in the faith of the church were arguing over something. And it was causing disruption in the church. And it was causing disunity in the church. What does Paul remind him to do? Is have the same mind of Christ. 
have the same attitude of Jesus who laid down His life, who came down from heaven and who laid down His life for you. And that's how we should in soon live being transformed into common unity around the centrality of gospel and the word. So we're not only transformed into common unity, but we're transformed to compelling generosity. Compelling generosity. Look at verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Like, this is a very anti-American thing to do. One of the things that we like to do here is to build bigger storehouses, to build bigger barns, to have more stuff, to keep up with the Joneses. That is, that is what the American dream would tell you that we should be doing. But as we look at those who have been changed by the gospel here, as we look at those who have been changed by the preaching of the word, this would have been foreign to them. Because as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and as they devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to praying, no, they made their mind up that they were going to sell all their possessions. And they were going to meet the needs of others. That they would sell all their belongings, all their possessions, and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Like, that is compelling community, right? That is compelling generosity. Like, I want to be a part of that. I want to join in with that. And I, there's a story where Jesus is met with a rich young ruler who comes up to him and he says, hey, I want to know what it, what it, what it takes to have eternal life. And Jesus says, he doesn't really answer his question, but he, he, does tell him, he does tell him that, hey, if you want to follow me, sell all of your possessions, Sell all of your goods. Everything that you had. And a rich young ruler would have had many things. He would have had many possessions. And Jesus said, sell all of these. Sell everything you have. And then come follow me. And the rich young ruler in response went and sold everything that he had and he followed Jesus, right? Not true. The rich young ruler was distraught. He was despondent, he was saddened by the response of Jesus. Because he said it had many possessions, he had many goods. And he walked away. And he walked away. It's a matter of the heart. Generosity, generosity is a matter of the heart. Giving away what I have for somebody else's good is a heart issue. Where else do we see that? 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I'll read it for us, says this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why do you love to give cheerfully to the Lord's work and to others who are in need? Because I want to be a cheerful giver. So when you give to others, when you provide for others out of your abundance or even out of your poverty, you are saying to the Lord, my heart is yours. All that I have is yours. You've called me to steward what I have. And I want to sow bountifully. And that reap bountifully does not mean that you will reap the bounty here on earth. It does not mean that the more I give away, the richer I become. That is not true of what we see in Scripture. No, it means that you will reap eternal life. That you will have eternal rewards that are for you in heaven. So we are transformed into common unity around the gospel. We are transformed to compelling generosity. The third thing that we see is we are transformed through intentional intimacy. We are transformed through intentional intimacy. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So day by day, they went to the temple together. They broke bread in their homes together. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. You can get the sense that there was a connection here. There was an intimacy within their community that, that I long for, that we should long for. Although it's imperfect here in this world, that we long for this intimacy to, to gather around with other believers. As we, as, as we gather together on Sunday mornings, as we, as we go to members' meetings together as we'll do after today, after this service today, that we'll, we'll gather together and do that, that we'll create this intimacy through our small groups and our discipleship groups, and we'll gather together and grow deeper in our understanding of God's Word and His Gospel and be transformed through it. It was a day-by-day thing. It was every day they gave themselves to gospel transformation. Every day we have to dedicate, devote ourselves to these things. Because what we know is that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking nothing more than to devour you. Nothing more than to pour you, pull you back into this world. If you don't believe me, read the book of 2 Timothy and find out what happens to Demas, who was a friend of Paul. But yet he went back into the world. So gospel transformation keeps us in the fight. Continues to change us and transforms us into a new image. Into the likeness of Christ. 
So I just encourage you if, you, if you're not involved in a church, if you're not involved even in a small group, I would, I, would, I would just implore you that you would do that if you're a Christian, even if you're not. That you would build that intimacy. That you would grow deeper with other believers. And I know we're, we are not perfect in this as a church, but I, I pray that we would continue to grow in this. That we would continue that we would grow together, that we would think about what day by day looks like as we encourage one another to be transformed by the good news of the gospel. That we would get together and we would praise God and we would have favor with people because of what we're doing in our neighborhoods and in our communities and in our workplaces and through our church. And that the Lord would continue to add to our number. Not that we grow a big church. But that the Lord would bring salvation to those who are near and to those who are far off. That is our hope with the gospel, that lives would be transformed. That lives would be transformed. So what does transformation look like for you? What does gospel transformation look like? You should ask yourself this question today. How has God transformed me? Has He transformed me? And if so, what has He been doing in my life recently in this transformation? Where has He been growing me? Where has He been shaping me? Where has He been drawing me to Himself if you're here and you've never given your life to Him? As we close, I just want to share one story with you. that just gives a glimpse of what it means to be transformed by the gospel. There was, a, there was a young man that used to come to this church. He just struggled a lot with a lot of sin issues and was just, just uh, in, his, in his marriage. and just, There was just a lot of deep-rooted issues. And he would tell you that. He just struggled with, just struggled with what, it, what the gospel looked like in his own life. So he and I, we, we would meet periodically, and we would just talk about the gospel, and we would just begin, I begin to speak into what, what his sin was doing in his own life. And I want to tell you that before he left here, he was a changed man, but that's not true. That's not true. But about a month ago, I got a call from one of our pastors up north in Quantico. Hey, I just want to let you know, like, I got this guy coming to my church. And he just seems like he's really lost and hurting. And can you tell me anything about him? I've been working with him. He said he's been, said he'd been working with you. I just, I just see some things. I see some glimpses of transformation that's beginning to... I see some glimpses of where the gospel is starting to take root. I just need you to help me, like, figure out what, what's next. And so we just talked through that. We just talked through what what I had been doing, what I thought he needed to be doing. And then I got an email about two days ago that this guy had repented of his sin, that he believed in the gospel, and that he was beginning the process of, of, of what transformation looked like because of the word being preached, because of the word being read, because someone was willing to, to, to speak into his life and that he was willing 
to, to, to come forward and go, I need this. I need the gospel. It's good news to me. I didn't get to see it. All I did was planted seeds that I hope would take. And I don't have to see the fruit of it because I can hear the fruit of it from another church or maybe in, even in eternity. We don't get to see the, the, sometimes the seeds that we plant in some people's hearts. We don't get to see that take root maybe until we get to eternity. It's transformation from the gospel. Is what brings us new life. It's what changes us from this world. It's what pulls us out of the darkness and the muck and the mire of sin is the good news of the gospel. It is the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ and no other. You can chase after it. Ecclesiastes paints this beautiful picture that you can chase after everything in this world and you know what it will leave you? Vanity. I just pray that you would think about how the gospel, how the gospel can transform you, how it can bring you to new life in Christ, or how it can transform you in your walk with Him as you think about the process of sanctification in your own life. And pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Peter who preached a sermon to a, a bunch of people who thought they were looking at who, who thought they were looking at a bunch of drunks gathered together. But no, they were looking at the Holy Spirit changing lives. And that your Holy Spirit works today. That your Holy Spirit is continuing to change lives, continuing to help people see that they need to save themselves from this crooked generation. And you're calling men and women to do that every day. Lord, you are faithful. Your promises are sure. That if we will repent of our sin, that if we believe, uh, confess our sins and believe in the gospel, that you will change us and transform us and conform us to your image, not to the image of this world. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see the goodness of the gospel. Help us to look back at how far we have come, but how much further we must go. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. As the musicians come forward, I just want us to consider the, what gospel transformation looks like. Your, your life has a story. Your life has a story, a day where you were redeemed from your sinful past and brought to new life in Christ. But if you don't have that day, I want to tell you again that today is the day of salvation. Today you can, you can commit your life to Him. That you can reach out to Him for salvation. That He is calling you to Himself.